0: The following podcast contains explicit language
1: hello and welcome to sex lives the New York magazine sex podcast I am David Wallace Wells and with me today as always is New York magazine sex columnist Maureen O'Connor hey Maureen hey David we got a great show for you today first we're gonna remind you about the sex lives voicemail box Normally, we've been ending our shows with your responses to questions we ask at the end of previous week's shows. This week, we're going to talk to some people who are calling in about this week's show. So it's a little different, but our voice mailbox is always open at 646-494-3590. This week, um, we're going to be joined by Dr. Kelly Bulkley, who runs the Sleep and Dreams database, which is a searchable digital archive for the scientific study of dreams, contains more stats on more than um, 20,000 real dreams. This is something that Maureen's been super into. So Maureen, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you stumbled on it and what gets you so excited about these 20,000 sex dreams?
2: Yeah, or 20,000 dreams, a certain portion of them is actual, although... Aren't all dreams secretly about sex, (laughs) if we ask Freud? Um, So dreams are one of those things that's so, like, all or nothing, whether or not you like talking about them or not. And I am of the likes it camp. Um, Dreams, I guess, my interest was sort of about not necessarily why people have certain sex dreams or what it means, because I'm not sure... Totally, whether I believe that, you know, a certain X symbolizes Y in the dream world. But it does seem really clear to me that people react to their sex dreams and that people say, oh, my God, I had a sex dream about that person. I feel so weird about him now. Or I had a sex dream and it sort of awoke my mind to the possibilities of this person or that. Um, I didn't realize
1: that I like really wanted to have sex with a horse until I <laughs> dreamt about
2: it. Precisely. Yeah. And so I just started thinking about this, the sort of um, how arbitrary the sexual imagination was and whether there was any way to categorize or understand the sort of completely insane sexual permutations that happen when we aren't controlling the way our brains are thinking. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I reached out to Dr. Buckley, who has a fascinating book out currently about dreaming and was hoping he could sort of give us a sense of how often people dream sexually and what they sexually dream about.
1: All right. So now let's bring Kelly into the conversation. He's going to tell us a bit about his work with the um, dreams database, and then we're going to actually have him provide some real time analysis of sex dreams from a few of our listeners. Kelly, um, this may be a little too cerebral and opener, but for me personally, I'd be interested in... You could walk us through, like, the state of dream analysis in the sort of like post-Freud era. Like, what is the going state of dream analysis, and um, how has it evolved over the last few decades? Would you say?
0: Yeah. Well, what we've what we found that that Freud was more or less right about um, is the idea that dreams have psychological meaning; that they're uh, connected to our waking life concerns and interests and activities. And
2: how how do we know that?
0: Well, um, there are uh, studies we've been doing where uh, we'll look at a, a person's dreams and look for the patterns uh, without mm-hmm. knowing anything about the person, and then make predictions about that person's emotional interests, activities, concerns, and such, and then ask them to verify or you know disconfirm those those mm-hmm. predictions. And so, you know, we're 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 improving our our percentages yeah. of predictions, um, and. Many of the basic things that, that, that we're seeing in the, the patterns of the dreams do seem to uh, reflect meaningful, important things in the person's waking life. Things like relationships, like, you know, their main cultural interests, their main uh, professional or school activities. I mean, it's, it's pretty basic stuff.
2: The subjects of dream life are probably the same main characters or often subjects that are part of the waking life, too, then, it sounds like.
0: Exactly. So, so we're learning more and more how dreams are, at one level, very accurate reflections of kind of the emotional state of our our waking lives, which is which is really cool.
1: And what's the other level? Is it like uh, like what what is the dream logic if if it's not the sort of desire that Freud identified? Well, then then kind of going by, and
0: this is more in the direction of of, of Carl Jung, uh, a follower of Freud's, and then went on to develop his own ideas about dreams particularly the idea of big dreams, which are less common, but more impactful, more creative. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are dreams where the kind of the general dreaming system of the mind and the brain seems to go into overdrive and create these really spectacular uh, visions, very powerful emotional qualities. And these are dreams that, that, that I think, generally speaking, and there's research supporting this, are part of our innate creativity as, as humans, our abilities to think beyond what is, to imagine what might be. That helps us as a species, and it helps, I think, each of us individually to have that kind of mental flexibility and um, readiness for all contingencies.
1: So in studying this stuff, have you come to any new revelations or ideas about exactly what a dream is and what, it, what they're for?
0: Yeah. One one way I think of dreaming in general, and this is whether people remember their dreams necessarily or not, I think a lot of what happens in dreams sometimes happens without us even remembering them, is that dreaming is imaginative play in sleep. And and, and what I mean by that is that, that when we're asleep, our, our minds are sort of um, safely detached from the external world from sensory input and and the mind is free to to play to explore to try out new possibilities to take in the the impressions of the day and try to make some sense of them and so this is valuable because it doesn't even involve necessarily interpreting the dreams or analyzing their meanings or anything it's just the the natural healthy process of the mind and so um that to me is a, a, makes a lot of sense in terms of the way the, the human mind and brain have evolved over, over time that, that, that our species really benefits from having a lot of adaptiveness, a lot of flexibility, a lot of creativity, and dreaming seems to be a, just an integral part of that, of that, that process in our lives.
2: Over analyzing these like thousands of dreams, you sort of write about a few themes come out, um, and one of them, of course, often being sex. Why are sex dreams so memorable, and why do people have them so often?
0: Well, there's there's a couple of reasons, and 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 one of which is um, part of the natural uh, uh, physiological responses during the sleep cycle involve. Uh, increased blood flow th- and, and respiration, to, particularly during REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. And that increased blood flow um, naturally leads to erections in men and, and clitoral swelling in women, which means that there's sort of this, this natural flow <laughs> of sexual arousal throughout the sleep cycle. That becomes kind of the basis for out, out of which you know, explicitly sexual dreams or dreams with various kinds of sexual things kind of emerge. There's kind of a, we're kind of hardwired to have sexual dreams, it seems like, and different circumstances in life and development, you know, seem to trigger them at different times.
1: And is there a sort of ready evolutionary biology theory about why that would be, why our dream space would be kind of colonized so um, fully by our sexual desires?
0: Well, if the idea is that we're trying to propagate the species and pass on our genes and and, and procreate and such. That's sexual behavior, sexual opportunities, the obstacles to sexual fulfillment are all top priority uh, survival-related issues. So other dreams, other recurrent dream themes often have similar kinds of survival-related themes such as chasing dreams or attack dreams. They're kind of the opposite end of the spectrum where you know, they're kind of preparing people for a certain kind of survival-related situation. In that case, being attacked or threatened or chased or whatever. With sexual dreams, that's what's happening in, in the opposite direction, in, in a more sort of pro-social, procreative direction, where, in my view, the, we're literally being primed for reproductive activity. We're literally being prepared to be good, effective, successful sexual beings.
1: I wanted actually wanted to ask you about whether the sexual content of dreams had grown, not just over the say the past 50 years, but over the past 200 years, the past 500 years. Or if the
2: nature of it has changed, like maybe you can give us some insight on how people have looked at sex dreams in the past and if the themes have changed.
0: In many ways, the themes have really stayed the same in, in, mm-hmm. in the sense that people often will report sexual dreams that in the dreams themselves. It's pleasurable, but then when they wake up, they feel guilty or anxious or they feel they've been possessed by a demon or something. So there's this, this recurrent discomfort people have with sexual dreams. And this actually makes the study of dreams harder because it Mm -hmm. It's one of the things people immediately think about when they think about dreams is, you know, their freaky sex dreams. And yeah, those are those are, you know, kind of what I was talking about earlier about the, the imagination at play in dreams. Well, you know, they get very playful with with sexual themes sometimes and sexual behavior and partners and such. So so the general theme of breaking sexual taboos and and engaging in sexual activities that that are different from or forbidden or prohibited in in one's waking life dreams have no problem with that sometimes so so that that's something we find um you know going back some of the earliest written texts about dreams we'll talk about uh i mean there's an ancient uh roman text from the 2nd century AD where this guy named Artemidorus where he talks for several pages about dreams of having sex with, in this case, a man having a sex, having dreams of sex with his mother, and all the different possible meanings and interpretations. You know, Mm -hmm. this is almost 2,000 years ago.
2: Part of the sort of horror of the sex dream is that it's generated from within yourself, which is a little bit like sort of like in puberty, you're discovering sex and you're like, what are these crazy sensations and ideas coming out of nowhere somehow generated within me? And yet there's also this weird thing of like, my waking self didn't consent to that, (laughs) but my night self just made it happen. Like sex with, you know, a totally taboo figure, like a mother figure.
0: I mean, in a historical sense, it really goes to one's idea of what happens in a dream. And for for this ancient... Roman guy you know he saw dreams more or less as as these things kind of happening to the mind so he didn't really take it as a personal mm-hmm. you know moral uh, statement it was more symbolic you know and he interpreted the mother as as indicative of of earth and that's where sometimes you know Freud taught us to look at dreams as uh symbolizing aspects of sex sometimes acts of sex in dreams can be symbolic of other things. And that's kind of what Artemidorus was getting at. It's when Christians, I mean in particular the Christian context, where sex dreams become more of a kind of moral, spiritual challenge. And, and in Buddhism too, where those kinds of dreams indicate an attachment to the body or, a, or a, um, the seductiveness of one's uh, erotic desires and yearnings. That the whole point of the religious tradition is to control and, and if possible, completely eliminate. And so, dreams in those contexts are a problem uh, and and an active threat potentially to one's religious uh, achievement and and, and and aspirations.
1: Can I ask you about um, something you mentioned earlier, which is sexual dreams that aren't really ultimately about sex, but in which there's been some kind of like crossed wiring. You know, like Maureen mentioned, like a case of like, well, you're, you know, you have a dream where you're having sex with your mother or whatever. But there are also a whole batch of dreams, I think, where you're like, you can have, be having some erotic encounter with like a machine or like some vegetable, like just some weird. Like it's not it doesn't really seem sexual. And yet the experience of it is intensely sexual. What's that about?
0: So so sexuality is is um, an especially primal expression of creativity, which in mm-hmm. sort of advanced human civilization takes many, many different forms. But in that sense, sexual desire, sexual pursuits become kind of a very dramatic shorthand for our creative yearnings more broadly. One example that, that, that comes to mind is a, a friend many years ago, she had uh, several sex dreams of, of having an affair with a, with a guy at her work. And they were very upsetting dreams. But they're very realistic and she couldn't understand why she's having these dreams because she loved her husband. Their relationship was good. But what she kind of came to realize was that the dreams weren't about a, a sexual desire for this co-worker, but rather he was a guy who was actually um, developing a, a, a certain career as a writer that she kind of envied and admired. And so the dream expressed that as kind of in a sexual sense of wanting to join with him in this new creative pursuit that he was uh, exploring that she knew was going to be in tension with, with her husband and kind of the marital situation they had, you know, his expectations about her professional identity. So this dream of, of an affair became kind of a symbol of both her creative desires to do something like this other guy but also how that was going to be a potentially threatening development in her marriage. So the dreaming imagination is is opportunistic in terms of drawing on whatever it can to to make its point and kind of get an, an emotional message across. And in this case, making a reference to having a an affair is a is will will grab you know the attention of waking consciousness. That's a that's a very effective symbol. Most dreams it involve some kind of taboo sexuality, some sort of inappropriate or something that doesn't square with waking moral sort of perspective um, are probably more likely to be metaphorical in that sense than actually that's what you want to do uh, or that's what you really are somehow.
1: It's interesting to think of like everybody is, I don't know, everybody like having the same, really the same basic anxieties at work when they're like, when they close their eyes. Yeah. Really kind of amazing. And it manifests
2: (laughs) so similarly. Like so
1: concretely, like exactly the same issues. I'm thinking of like the the dream, which I guess is relatively common among adolescents and then less so as you get older, but like of showing up naked to school or to some public event. Are there other very, very similar dreams like that that are especially sexual ones, but other ones, if not, if there aren't sexual ones that come to mind that you can think of where people really do have almost identical dreams to one another?
0: Yeah, this is a, a big theme in the recent book I just put out where I look at what I call them prototypes of, of, of big dreaming and sexual dreams are one, um, chasing or attack dreams are another. I mean, those are, you find those in all cultures, all through history, really similar things of mm-hmm. people being, running away from someone attacking them and they can't get away, they can't fight back.
1: But to me, it's like I understand like how evolution has programmed me to be like to have dreams about chasing or running away. I don't really understand how evolution has programmed me to be like freaked out about showing up to school with no underwear. on. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I I buy that those like those are universal themes. But this other thing seems like totally like more contingent and contemporary. I mean, most of my ancestors didn't even go to school. Like they didn't even wear clothes. (laughs) They
2: only had loincloths. (laughs) They were naked at all times.
0: Well, you know I
1: mean th- that's actually
0: kind of towards towards i think the explanation is that actually what we're learning about kind of how the mind how our our species has evolved and how our mind has evolved, humans have always lived and and depended on small social groups with with very densely uh interconnected uh networks of of people's interactions and if you're out of the group, your survival is in real in real danger and so a Dream of Being Naked in Public, my, you know, interpreting things along these lines, I'd say is sort of reflecting a deep and I'd say primal fear of being publicly shamed and being kind of outcast. And deep down in, in kind of the, you know, the evolved architecture of our brains, we are we are very attuned to maintaining our, our healthy place in our social network, because without that, um that's that's a very dangerous condition for a person to be in
2: So as we we're working on this podcast I started asking my friends and acquaintances about sex dreams they had and we have a few people who are going to call in with sort of interesting or plaguing ones This is Julia, who recently had a dream that didn't actually have sex in it, but had some very unusual sexual content. Hey, Julia. Hey.
3: Hello. Hi. (laughs) Hello, my dream friends.
2: Yeah. So, Julia, we're here with um, Kelly Bulkley, who runs a dreams database. And we were wondering if you could tell us that fascinating dream you told me over wine last week (laughs) about (laughs) a memorable sexual moment in a dream.
3: Oh, absolutely. So I was standing in a hallway And the elevator doors opened, and the first thing that I noticed was a penis. (laughs) And the penis was attached to a naked man. But the penis was the wrong penis. It was a a
2: penis that I recognized. You you saw it, and you're like, I know whose dick that is. Whose dick was it? (laughs) It
3: was my ex-boyfriend's dick. Uh Great dick.
2: (laughs) <laughs>
3: but, you know, um, I recognized it immediately. And then as the camera panned up, it was attached to this guy that I had a crush on when I was, like, a teenager.
1: Unfulfilled.
2: Maybe he has the same dick. Did you ever see his dick? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never done the sleuthing for this one. Huh.
1: I mean, just speaking from personal experience, it's like there you can get these sort of confusion of categories in a dream where you, you know that you're, say, like at a bus station, but you you also know at the same time that, like, the bus station is in the wrong town. So, like, something like that.
3: <laughs> right. <laughs> Only penises.
1: <laughs> well, right. This is... Exactly. That, that kind of
0: merging of a couple things, dreams are actually pretty good at. The first thought would be, is, would there be some kind of ideal fantasy element to such a being that had attributes of one guy and... Other attributes of, 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 of this is this is guy. your
2: version of like the lion with wings because you just said it was a great dick, right? <laughs> oh my god, excellent dick, really like perfectly, and also like very
3: quirky in as the way you know like the quirky way things go. Yeah, like it had special attributes. It was sort of like curved in this particular way, uncircumcised, which I don't you know you don't see in the United States as much, and. And that, the, the guy who it was attached to, the mm-hmm. erroneous man, is also somebody who is, like, super attractive, who I, like, loved when I was a teenager.
1: I wonder if that guy, this, this man you knew as a teenager, would be flattered or offended if you called him <laughs> up and said, I had a dream where I saw you and your dick was out, and I was super <laughs> into your dick, but I knew it wasn't yours. <laughs>
3: You know, the crazy thing is, he so he was a naked man in the elevator, but the other people in the elevator were clothed and facing outwards. There were other people in the elevator. It was just a naked dude in the elevator. Wait,
2: so he might have had this very same dream, but for him it was a nightmare. <laughs>
3: <laughs> exactly. Maybe there's, like, some sort of secret tunnel.
2: Yeah, he was totally naked, humiliated, and the, the only thing the girl liked about him wasn't even his. Oh, my exactly. gosh. Well. Amateur dream analyst Maureen O'Connor is going to <laughs> adjudicate that this is something about wanting some romanticism of your youth with the practical realities of adulthood, right? The like oh, teen crush like with a real dick, a real functioning dick that you know how to work with.
1: You mean you didn't realize when you were a teenager how important the dick was and that you're only learning <laughs> that now as an adult?
2: That's why when I envision what what that, the meaning of that would be to uh, me. Yeah,
1: it's funny you're like you're talking about like the practical consideration of adulthood, meaning like the fetishization of a particular kind,
2: <laughs> or being able to actually have sex as opposed to just right, right. pine sexlessly. Right.
1: <laughs> Kelly, it's inter- I wanted to ask you just the theme of like um, sexual disjuncture, like in an environment in which um, we're we're sort of meant or taught to not think sexual thoughts and then in a dream we'll often have sexual thoughts unfold in that context. That seems quite common, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, and and this is where every society, you know, does its best to kind of control and channel human sexual impulses and usually fails because those impulses are so strong. And so, yeah, and dreams will often Express our our desires and our yearnings in places where we're not supposed to, but at a certain level our yearnings and desires don't really care what we're supposed to do we're not supposed to do they want what they want so um so at that level sometimes dreams can be very honest about our sexual desires and who we are and kind of the full range and multiplicity of it all you know so that 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 can be really interesting even if it can be kind of shocking and humbling and uh, you know, knocks you off your high horse, perhaps, <laughs> if you've got certain <laughs> narrow views of things.
3: Yeah. Kelly, is there anything that I should do to address my dream?
0: Well, usually what, you know, I'm, I, I don't like to think of dreams as sort of, you know, Chinese fortune cookies with like a little, like, you can reduce it to a saying so much as, how can we bring the energies of a dream into waking life? So I, if I had a dream like that, I don't know if you draw pictures or make collages or something, but I would make a collage something like that and just chuckle at it.
3: I like that. I like that. Maybe I'll, you know what? I'll just start, maybe I'll start a dream journal.
0: Well, you know, the the, the, the dream has a door opening, so that's kind of a, you know, a a welcome. Like, come on in.
3: (laughs) Welcome. Come on in. 12th floor open. Here we go. If you
0: dare. If you dare. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> well, thank you so much yeah. for, uh, for this guidance. I will uh, take thanks, it into Julia. my real life. <laughs> 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 thanks, guys. Take care.
2: Okay, so um, this is my friend Jason. And Jason, you said you recently had a sex dream that was really upsetting to you.
4: It's a little bit of a traumatic memory yes. I have uh, that sometimes gets played back to me when I think about my dad. Ugh. The context of the dream is a little bit hazy, the way that most dreams are. I sort of remember the broad strokes of it. Um, But the idea was that we were in the house that I grew up in, and I was in my room, and my dad was there. And somehow it just became this, like, tacit understanding that we were going to engage in some illicit roast behavior. And... I don't remember exactly what happened, but it ended with me blowing my dad. Oh, my God. My skin crawls even thinking about it now. Um, But I remember waking up and feeling completely disgusted and like it was the greatest transgression that ever transpired. Um,
1: And in the context of the dream, both of you understood that this was like a sort of like, taboo thing to do. It wasn't just, like, you You were both going about it like it was a normal sex act, right?
4: Completely, completely. Within the context of the dream, it felt like a crazy violation, huh. which was part of its, like, sexual appeal in the dream. And then as soon as I woke up, it was the unsexiest thing ever and gave me this panic about whether I had latent feelings about my dad and the weird incest part of it. And I obviously don't feel any ambiguity about that. And <laughs> yeah. I've never felt anything like that. But in the dream, it felt so real. And after waking up, I felt so guilty because I felt very, very aware and complicit.
2: So Kelly, you were just telling us that this type of dream is actually kind of common. Can, can you tell us about what, how this, how you understand this dream?
0: Yeah, that was, no that's that's really intense. Thanks for sharing that. It's uh and I can see why that would stick with you for many many years, you know, the dream with that kind of jarring uh imagery. And yeah, we were kind of talking a little earlier. Dreams often use um vivid sexual imagery as as kind of attention-grabbing symbols for other kinds of concerns that may not directly have anything to do with sexuality. And this might be that kind of case where, you know, instead of having to do literally with any particular incestuous desires, might have something more sort of metaphorically to say about power relations between you and your father, perhaps. I mean, this is, you know, I don't know you, I'm just this, if it were my dream as as, 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 as as I hear you describe it, I would think about, you know, is this a... A symbolic or metaphorical reflection of something out of balance or problematic uh, going on between me and my dad.
4: Right. right. I mean, that does make sense when I think about that period in time and my relationship with my father at that point.
2: What was going on with your dad at the time? Do you mind talking about that, Jason? Or we no, don't no, have no, to? No, not at all. Yeah.
4: No. Um, so my parents divorced when. I was a teenager, so in the early 2000s, and around this time, it was like 2008, 2009, my dad and mom had been divorced for a while, and I think at that point he was sort of interested in the idea of getting back together with my mom and sort of asked me questions about her constantly, how she was doing, whether she had a man in her life. And things would get back to me from my mom saying things like, oh, your dad showed up unannounced in my office today. Isn't that weird? I felt like I was very much put in the middle of this weird situation. And the first, and it was the first time in a while that I felt that way, mm-hmm. feeling like boundaries had been crossed with my dad because I obviously knew things about my mom but didn't want to betray her and tell him that. And I felt like his, his asking me all these questions was, such an imposition and bothered me in a way that I wasn't really able to articulate to either of them. So um, it sounds like
2: your dream life almost just sort of exaggerated the level of boundary crossing or something's wrong in this relationship. Right. God, it seems like such an extreme way for your brain to give you that message, right? <laughs> <laughs> to like put this horrible image in your mind.
4: Oh my God, completely. Well,
2: as, as Kelly can attest, many people have this type of taboo dream in his, he, he has a huge database of dreams. Um, And it is very common, and thus it is not your fault, Jason. (laughs) It is not your fault.
4: (laughs) That is such a relief. I feel so much better knowing that because obviously trying to do some amateur dream interpretation, you (laughs) sort of think, like, what does this mean? And what you dream about isn't necessarily what you dream about, but maybe it is what you dreamt about.
1: Yeah. Kelly, I wonder, how common is it for dreams of any kind, to really stick with someone as, and, you know, they return to it and think about it again and again over years.
0: No, that's, that's really common. That's, that's exactly the, you know, what Carl Jung referred to as as a big dream, having that kind of almost lifelong impact. Those kinds of dreams, in my view, create kind of a a lifelong um, kind of touchstone for some particular piece of unconscious wisdom. And in this case, it sounds like for better, for worse, and I you know, I'd generally argue these things are for the better overall, a, a sense of, of wariness about appropriate boundaries with your father. Like that's, that's now you know, kind of imprinted on your view of the world through, through this dream. And that, that's, that's what dreams often do to people is they kind of create these core images or, and, 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 and scenes that provide a kind of deep, like I said, unconscious guidance throughout life.
2: Thank you so much, Jason. Yeah, um, thanks, thanks Thank for sharing. Yeah, we really appreciate it. So listeners will remember Jolie, who came on. She's our our buddy Ask a Clean person who taught us about cleaning up sex messes. And as it turns out, she also had a sort of messy set of sex nightmares over a period of time. Jolie, can you tell us about them? I sure can. Uh,
5: <laughs> so um, I worked in a male-dominated place for about three years, and I... Had many sex dreams about my coworkers, and the the worst part about them was it was never one specific coworkers. It was like a number of them, and the dreams themselves ran the gamut from like a hot and heavy sex dream to like a
2: tender and sweet sex dream. Which
1: you're talking about a tender and sweet gangbang.
2: Yeah, is it that you would have? Is that you had multiple sex dreams, each about one of them, or you have a sex dream about having sex with all of them at once?
5: No, no, no. I would have like one dream about one of them, and it would be hot and heavy. And uh. then I would another night, I would have another dream about another, a different coworker, and it would be like sweet and tender. And those were always the worst ones because they, uh, like, emotion was involved in the dreams. Mm. And it was weird and creepy, and I was friends with these guys, or most of them, and I was in a committed relationship myself, and in in no way was I into them on a sexual level during my waking hours, but at night, here come the sex dreams, and I felt like I was violating them in some way, and I I want to know what's wrong with my
2: mind. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly, can you give us some insight?
0: Well, I mean, the one thing that we were talking about before you came on was how dreams that have sexual images and interactions sometimes are symbolic of other things that aren't necessarily sexual. For example, sort of creative pursuits. And and actually, I I, I gave an example of someone who had a sex dream about a coworker that really wasn't about sex with that coworker, but rather was about something that coworker kind of represented in terms of the dreamer's own kind of work life and choices she was making about how she wanted to, to do things. So
1: In this case it could be that the really it's an expression of the intensity of your feelings about your new workplace, right? Exactly. Yeah.
5: Oh. I mean that's fair. I I was it was the best job I've ever had. I mean, <laughs> uh, totally totally for sure it was the best job in the
2: world. You know, I wonder if as one who's also worked remotely, you put sort of like use your imagination in a weird way when you're like anticipating people you communicate with, but not in person that like, like what they are to you as a physical form is so bizarre and imaginary anyways. Like it totally makes sense to me that that's a circumstance in which like an intense typing relationship would turn into like weird, vivid junk at night in your dream (laughs) world. right?
0: Yeah. I mean, sexual dreams at that level can kind of be expressions of feelings of intimacy with someone, how, well you're connecting with them how you're working together to bring new life of some sort into the world
5: that it definitely resonates for me i think i mean just this, this this one place was a, a wonderful place to work but generally speaking i love my work more than almost anything else in my entire life which <laughs> uh-huh. is more Maureen and david you know that because you've met me and you've talked to me about my work <laughs> because my work is my number one priority so this all makes me feel so much better. <laughs> <laughs> and like I'm not a super creep.
0: <laughs> no, that sounds like like I mean that's just that's just a lot of passion that comes from deep down and you know flows in that direction and 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 in the dream world that's yeah that's it's 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 nothing to portray that in in sexual terms. That's a very, you know, natural symbolic language for feelings of that kind of intensity that you have. So, yeah,
1: thanks for calling.
2: Yeah. Thank thanks you. For me guys. All right. Bye.
1: Bye. All right. Um, well, I think that's it for our show. Our guest today has been Dr. Kelly Bulkley who maintains the sleep and dream database. And he's also got a book out called big dreams, the science of dreaming and the origins of religion. Kelly, thanks so much again for coming on. It's been a blast talking to you.
2: Yeah, thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having me. What a, what a, what a lot of fun and great great guests too. Yeah, yeah. that's fun. And that's it for Sex Lives this week. A reminder that you can always reach us at 646-494-3590. This week, um, we'd love to hear from you with your thoughts on dreams or particular dream- crazy sex dreams that you've had and what you think they mean to you.
2: Also, next week, we're going to be having a very special episode with a couple of directors talking about movie sex. So in addition to telling us about your sex dreams, tell us also which movie scenes and sex scenes sort of inspired your sexual imagination.
1: Sex Lives is produced by Sam Dingman. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. See you next week and thanks for listening.